before we start the show, I've got to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic at the Island singles. This week is the end of the summer sale, part two, lots of singles on for sale, as well as boosters. If you are looking for Modern Horizons boosters, Iconic Masters, uh, Ravnica Legions, Corset 2020, now it's time to get there. Lots of discounts available. I'm, of course, at Esports Central, again, uh, who's been kind enough to, to let me stream in their stream room. And tonight we got a jam-packed show because we got some organized play news to talk about, a bunch of modern brews as Elliot and John have been hitting up the modern streets, as well as picking Keith's brain. Uh, and we've got other guests that are lined up to pick their brains. Introduce two of our guests, one of them, the all-time, but voted by one listener as the greatest first-strike guest of all time and one of the most controversial writers on FaceToFaceGames.com, Mr. Daniel Forney. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. How's it going, my man? It's going great. Thanks, <laughs> Sorry about my personality. <laughs> uh, now we've got someone that is fellow, my fellow content manager at FaceToFaceGames.com, Mr. Keith Capsa, who's been to me, killing the SCG circuit, but but he'll be humble. It's just a classic <laughs> circuit, but also making a name for himself on the YouTube streets, on the Facebook video streets, telling people what it means for Ninja to move to Mixer. My man, Keith Capstick. How's it going, Keith? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. And we got our usual crew, Elliot, Andy, John, in the house. And uh, why is everything on streets? I don't know. I just know. I just, I just love. <laughs> I just love saying that. Um, a lot of streets. <laughs> a lot of streets. So today, huge news. Uh, we've something that we had been hoping that Wizards would do at some point. Usually, they don't give a lot of information, which is uh, a common criticism that players give them. But they they eventually. Over the years, they've responded to feedback to change different systems, where it's like getting rid of ELO, testing with Planeswalker points, doing over the, the World Championships, making a lot of changes, changing everything to Mythic Championships. And now, today, huge news. Um, I'll start with some of our guys before we, we, we jump, throw it over to, to Dan and Keith. But, but Elliot, what was your, your f- first reaction to some of the news today? I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, there's probably like a bit more to go till it's like, really the full-fledged system that I want to see for organized play. I know they've posted on Twitter already sort of uh, an analog to Silver, which I think is the big thing that's missing from this. Um, But I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be really awesome to play in more tournaments. It sounds like the WPNQs, if that's what they're called, are going to be more frequent. So I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really hopeful. I love Magic and the go. (laughs) I want to pull up the changes but it's a it's a huge page that at first seems intimidating uh, to a lot of people that that post a lot of memes of like it being really complicated to, to know how to, how to qualify for uh, the, the next important pro tournaments uh, but there's some aspects of it that are interesting and and Keith Dan you can correct me if I'm wrong I, I think Dan did you publish your hot take article on face face games yet I haven't even written it. Okay, he hasn't written yet. We got we got the fresh hot takes on this show. So, um, the the whole thing is the MPL for the next season will be reduced from thirty six to twenty four, and there's an introduction of the rivals league. Um, there's a lot there's a lot to digest. Basically, out of the twenty four, there are going to be eight 
that are kicked out, sort of, sort of. Four of them will get to compete in the MPL gauntlet for a chance to reclaim their MPL spot, and the other four are rele- relegated to the Rivals League. And then and the MPL gauntlet is filled with different players, some from the Rivals League, and I mentioned th- those four that were um, from the MPL, and they compete to see who can move up from the Rivals to the MPL. So there's now this, this path, this bridge, or this more well-defined path to get into the MPL. And uh, is, is that part, does that part excite you at all, Elliot? The whole Rivals League um, seeding into the MPL? Well, I can tell you that I've watched near zero MPL weekly coverage. I, I've almost cared none about what the MPL is other than like some of the best players in the world have been streaming magic for me. That's like all I've gotten out of it. So I think the fact that there's going to be more like at stake for the MPL players and more visibly at stake, like obviously getting a day two berth into the, the arena MC MC was like a big deal for the MPL, but I didn't really care actually watching MPL players play for their life effectively to not get relegated down. And then to be able to like cheer for the rivals, work their way up to the MPL, see players. I like, uh, you know, get there and have really high stakes matches. I think it's going to be really interesting and it's going to add, to like a really big viewing experience as in terms of like whether the rivals system is good i really don't know um i think it it has the potential to be but there have been like some flaws pointed out about how um you know you could win every tournament in 2020 and you still (laughs) cannot get into the mpl because it it takes results from this year to get into rivals so i think that you know it's, it's definitely not perfect but it's the type of system that has promise and like maybe with a bit of iterating on it, it could be like more in line with what we see in, in the League of Legends LCS relegations and those kind of leagues. Um, I, at the very least, I'm interested by it. Yeah, yeah, same, same here. I think um, I was talking to, to BDM who felt like this allows them to sort of, again, have a Rivals League and, and Control sort of the people that are there, help them promote these specific people who are either in the MPL and in the Rivals League. And like, like you mentioned, like this being able to be in the MPL or not feels, might, might feel like a higher stakes and might make for a more compelling viewing. Okay, now, now I'm just going to go straight to, to our hot taker, Mr. Fournier. Well, what's your early impressions of this news? Okay, so normally whenever, and I'm sorry, Keith. Normally, whenever uh, Wizards like post some kind of like overwhelming change, it's like, oh yeah, we're doing this thing for esports or whatever. I talk to Keith about it, and Keith's always like, "Man, because this is the sickest thing in history. This is going to be just like esports, just like League of Legends." And then he then he kneels down, takes a big old big old lick of the old Watsy boot there, you know, <laughs> you know, bud. And then and then he turns to me, and I'm usually like, "Oh well, you see, this is actually like." very problematic this is uh, emblematic of the end of magic gathering as we know it also it's very racist i don't know like some nonsense like that but this time this time i am the bootlicker i think this is sick i think this is almost everything we needed for tabletop magic to kind of revitalize itself it's been everyone knows it's been like an unmitigated disaster over the last couple months just GP attendance is dwindled. No one seems to care anymore. Like modern PTQs in Toronto are not capping. The 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 401 PTQ was like 180 or something. And it was like a 10K and no one showed up. So that was like a, a death knell to me. But 
I think all of the anxieties that people had minus the, the silver situation um, are kind of alleviated with this. There is a path forward. We finally know what the MPL relegations are, that there are MPL relegations in the first place. Uh, the new Pro Tour system is awesome. I'm just, generally speaking, actually a big fan of all of this. Now that they've announced that they're going to be doing something in the vein of silver gold, they're just not sure what it is yet. Yeah, uh, I'd like to jump in and defend myself from Fortnite for a second. I think, uh, look, in, in the past, because, you know, a lot of my background is in esports or at least writing about or creating content about esports, I've been celebratory about Watsi trying to make a step to turn the product that they're putting on display away from the cards and more to the players. And that's why I was excited about the MPL in the first place. Cause it felt like, you know, at long last, we are going to see the best players in the world play all the time. Now, obviously there's massive problems with the implementation of that. Like Elliot said, it's like really hard to get stoked about the MPL, the way it's currently being broadcast. But the way that this format looks at the top with the MPL and the rival system, it seems to me like MPL current MPL players are going to be able to retain uh, their status if they play well fairly easily, which is good for those like recurring narratives year over year. And you're also going to get the excitement of, you know, those rivals players, players that you've known for a long time or, or just like other big name players that are kind of like right on the threshold. So you'll get, you'll still get the narrative of, you know, the, the, the person that's, sort of grinding their way to the top, but you also get to see, you know, the, the redukes play every single year. That used to be my problem with PTs and GPs, right? Is that, you know, you would watch 15 rounds of coverage and you would see very good players play like, you know, five of those rounds. And uh, so I think this, this seems at least at, at first glance to offer a little bit of the best of both worlds. Um, I'm a little bit more uh, cautious than I was previously due to the last year. But uh, I think that I agree with Fournier for the most part. Damn, first time for everything, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get you in here, uh, Andy. I think I'm wrong with some of the details I said earlier, so I apologize um, for, I, I think, how it works for, like, the upcoming season and then the season after changes. Like, it's, it's 24 uh, in 2020 to 2021, it's like 24 MPL players and then top 16 remain. And I think I said 36 to 24, so, so that's wrong. But uh, any, any of your thoughts? Uh, usually I'm pretty optimistic to a fault, just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of like love magic and I'm going to play almost no matter what the system is. And uh, I've never personally hit silver or come that close at all, to be honest. So like that kind of thing doesn't hurt me personally as much so i just haven't been hurt too much by the the way pro magic's been going but i do want it to be better for all the people that i care about and uh, there's been a lot of good things said about this new system and i kind of like the idea of so when they announced the first time <laughs> that they decided not to do the like regional pt thing it kind of made a lot of sense in some ways especially now that there's the players have to pay for it from themselves like if i had won a PTQ to Europe, I don't love the fact that I would have to spend $2,000 or whatever to go to Europe. I went down a lot of money going to Barcelona, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. And now I get to pay like $300 to fly to Richmond. That sounds a lot better. So I kind of like that part of it, and I like kind of region locking some of it and then having like a grand finale type thing that it seems like there's going to be 
Like, you're going to be compensated by, like, winning prizes, or in the PTQs, I think you're going to win money to get flights for these. I think it said in the thing that the PTQs are going to have, uh... Yeah, the PTQs are going to award, or suggest that they award, like, uh, flight compensation and stuff like that. So I do, like... For the PTQs, it's actually required that the TO offer flight compensation for first. For the uh, WPN qualifiers, it is recommended, but not required. Okay. Thank you. It's hard to remember the 10,000 words, but thankfully there's some pictures that I can understand in the article. The pictures are all wrong, though, it turns out. Really? <laughs> the graphics were wrong. <laughs> well, that's, oh, that is a mo- that's a modern Watsy classic right there. But uh, I- I'm pretty excited by it. I really, If they announce something that like does silver right enough, then I'll just be thrilled, and I'll be totally happy. It does... It- doesn't even have to be as good as silver was like silver like i don't know was it like uh, four years ago like double pt inviting people was a lot and i think uh maybe just like one invite or i saw someone suggest something that i liked before is like you, you're allowed to like chain your invites however you acquire them like if you win a g like you win a gp and then win a ptq but they're both for richmond you can you can just stack them like get a token or whatever I've always, cool. I've always liked that kind of idea because then it incentivizes people to keep playing, like, and then lets people who want to keep playing PTQs keep playing PTQs, and they always do mean something. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of uh, something that I didn't like is like, sometimes you can get like locked out of a whole season because you won the first Moto PTQ, and obviously that feels great. But at the same time, I would, I do want to play Magic, but then I like get on Moto or Arena, I'm like. Why do I? Why am I doing this? I'll just play Rocket League. <laughs> so, are you saying there's missing? Because people are saying this Rivals League thing it sort of replaces gold. And are you saying that they're still missing something for silver, Andy? I, I think calling it gold is a little ambitious. It's more like platinum right. minus. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like it, platinum it's certainly minus, not platinum gold. plus. Yeah. Calling it gold. Yeah. Calling it gold's not fair. This is not really like attainable for most most like almost anyone yeah. you have to spike pretty damn hard to get into it Kalkana was grinding the numbers and he was pretty confident that it was vaguely equivalent to getting an invite to the 24 player worlds yeah. <laughs> so it's more it's way more platinum plus than it yeah is. yeah it's just uh, like way more spiky the, the whole system kind of feels and, and you know to their credit they said that they're going to you know rectify this with you know, somehow making your 12 threes and your 11 fours matter. But from what we saw today, the system does feel very spiky. Like, you know, if you top eight a GP or you win a, an MCQ or you win a WPN event, then, you know, that's what matters. And I think uh, a lot of the you know, gold position players previously got by a lot off of not having to do that, right? Like, even even someone like Hayne a couple of years ago... I, there was like some insane year where Hayne just 12 3 to every GP or whatever. And it's like, you, you need to have a way for people doing that kind of thing and playing that consistently to uh, to be rewarded. And it seems like they're acknowledging that, but the, this system, it looks difficult to become a rival or whatever without uh, spiking a bunch of events. It does sound like it's like there's just a ton of invites out there for the players 
tour thing, like the regional locked ones. Like there's just it sounds like there's just a ton of invites to them, yeah. and maybe like getting to play those will give you the good feelings enough. Like I think uh, I discussed this before. Is like playing one of these will probably give you like eighty to ninety percent of the great feeling of playing in a pro tour, but at the same time happening more often because there's more qualifications, but also not costing Watsy like ten million dollars or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they can make these players tour events, like, replicate the feeling of playing at a premier level, playing against the best players in the world, and, go like, going to a pro tour, then I think that that's a huge win, right? Like, if you, if you can be uh, a competitive Magic player, like someone who grinds, uh, and just go to these events, and, and, you know, if you don't want to spend 40 hours a week or, you know your entire life making it to become a rival or going to the the, the players tour finals or whatever but you still get a lot of that sort sort of same pro tour grind gratification out of the uh the players tour events uh i think that that would be a huge success i think a lot of people would be really happy just doing that and just to throw some numbers around for like people to get somewhat of an idea according to their their article here there's going to be around 1150 players in the in all three regional players tours at any given time and if you compare that to like the 500-ish we see at mythic championships now uh like that means that there's going to be close to double the amount of qual uh, chances to qualify so whether that means that there's like going to be a bunch of uh wpnqs or just you know multiple invite tournaments at like ptqs or something like that we don't really know but you know, if if your like goal is to qualify for the Pro Tour, right in in what we have as the current system in the past system, I think it's like totally reasonable to, to transfer that to as qualifying for the Players Tour. It's probably going to be a similar experience, and it's just going to happen more often for people. So, uh, Elliot, would you? So, Elliot and Keith. Well, I'll just say, Keith. So, is the Players Tour what? You know, a, a player that. I guess like me and Andy, is that what we should be looking at to, to get our fix and not like, you know, aim for this platinum plus equivalent basically that, that we're not going to put all the hours in to, to achieve? Yeah, I mean, I, I would also put myself in that boat. Like, you know, anyone, anyone who, what's, I don't know the best way to say this, but basically anyone who has a real life, like if you, if you have a job <laughs> or, or a family or like, you know, you don't want to spend. That's rough, dude. Famously. Famously, uh, one time I was out for lunch with Paul Dean, and he said to me, he said, I think being a pro Magic player is a more than 40-hour-a-week job if you want to do it right. And I, I really kind of took that to heart, and I think that this Players Tour thing, it allows for people who want to keep doing their full-time job or, like, want to have, you know, a, a break from that, you know, you know play-every-day sort of grind but still play meaningful events and have a real goal to pursue, uh, I think this offers that. And I'm, I, I'm honestly not sure that even the previous Pro Tour, like before the MPL, I'm, I'm honestly not sure that that even offered this as well as this new system does. It just seems, seems like exactly what you want. You want real events where you have this opportunity to compete with the best, but not the sort of um, the grind that it... That, would take you away from the rest of your life. And that's what I'm stoked about, at least. I've been, like, screaming for years about how sick it would be if they, like, doubled the size of the PT. Like, when the size of the PT of, like, 300 to 500 or whatever, 
was established many years ago, tournament attendance was just not where it was. And then it skyrocketed and the PT stayed the same size. You had these like literally like two to four thousand player GPs and the event that they were feeding was still the same size. Everything's kind of switched back now as a result of like a whole bunch of different stuff. But the game is still, despite recent struggles in the competitive scene, bigger than it ever was. Like why does the highest level of play not reflect that in some way? So kind of loosening the grip on the on the pro tour scene. And and let's be real, the the, the regional players tours are pro tours. I it bugs me so much when people call them RPTQs and stuff because they are tournaments with the level of prestige, the necessary qualification, the prize pool, the coverage. It's a PT. Yeah, I mean, the coverage is a massive part as well. It's huge. People have been talking a lot about GP coverage missing, and now there's going to be, what, uh, coverage of 12 Pro Tours per year? Like, that, I think that helps a lot. 12 Pro Tours that are actually, like, achievable for people because of the existence of all these WPM qualifiers. But but also, sorry, what I, what I was just getting at there was that the RPT people calling it like an RPTQ or whatever, I think really takes away a, a lot of the enjoyment out of qualifying for it. If you qualify for it and, and the whole narrative is, ah, it's just uh, just another RPTQ. Like no one, like, I don't know, like the whole point of making this more accessible is to allow more people to achieve more tangible things that's more fun, that's good, increase your enjoyment out of magic. But if everyone's saying, oh, it doesn't count, then like, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, Dan, what about you as uh, someone I like to call a, a degenerate often on, on Twitter? What what appeals to you about these new changes? Uh, I like that I'm being encouraged to play with an end goal more often. Like, I, I lost a lot of motivation to play Magic over the past six months, and so did everyone else, obviously. I mean, I wrote articles about it, about how I just couldn't find the drive to play. I haven't played Magic Online or Arena in months at this point. And that's a huge change from how... I approached the game beforehand. Now I'm excited to play again. I don't know if I'm going to go back to like grinding online or whatnot, but the 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 idea that there are now going to be so many paper qualifying tournaments that now matter that feed pro tours and sorry like regional regional players tours and the players tour that also all matter and there's a path there and they've announced that there's going to be silver. Damn, I'm encouraged to get out there and play those damn weekend events. Uh, I started the the qualifying season for Barcelona by driving four hours to Detroit for a BTQ, and then immediately being like, what is wrong with me? Why did I do this? <laughs> After I lost the semifinals. Yeah. But, but even if I didn't didn't like make it that far, it's like, what's wrong with me? There's no point doing this. Like The Pro Tour doesn't mean anything anymore. The Mythic Championship offers almost no qualification paths. The literal winner of the event isn't going to be qualified for an arena MC, and those are the the most important things for qualifying for Worlds and continuity in the MPL. But finally, they unscrewed that up. Like, the separation of tabletop and arena. Yeah, the introduction of a path forward. Man, I just want to play Magic now, and I haven't felt that way in months. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I will say that if... If you're somebody who's at the very top, uh, I have heard people remark about like the there still being kind of an inequality between how much the arena events are going to give you versus how much these like pro tours or 
you know the the finals events are going to give you i'm not exactly sure how that works out because it's still a little bit confusing with the half season and full season but i do like the idea that uh, like what fornia is saying feeling energized energized about playing magic you know i mean i i i've been stoked to like travel and hang out with my friends and experience the gathering or whatever but um this feels like you know you can like really win something even even as someone who doesn't go to every tournament or whatever so that's that's sick yeah you can like spend your year winning magic tournaments and qualify for worlds instead of getting yeah. ranched by lsv because he got invites to every mythic invitational mythic <laughs> on arena or whatever yeah, exactly. automatically it's like oh yeah my participation points uh double your points from winning two pro tours in the year <laughs> get wrecked yeah, like that, that's not going to happen anymore because yeah. it's split. It's yeah. smart. It's good. You get, a nice, nice little, uh, you get a nice little benefit if you just spike an event. You, you know, you can start getting on the train like you would before, right? Before every, before all this happened, you would just go to events that you wanted to play. And if you won, then you would consider playing more. <laughs> and I'm happy that that... that, <laughs> that, that we're back to that. Fournier's bringing a bit of I, I got to show you because I, I control the main camera. Dan, you have to do it again. Oh, shit. Right there. Okay. Boom. <laughs> is that a real trophy, Keith? That, that, that is a face-to-face games open trophy. Nice <laughs> um, brag, dude. Um, Dan, Dan, look, I'm just curious. What would the ceiling of, of this whole thing be? Could you ever become a rival, Dan? Oh, shit. Uh, would you put in the uh, hour say, of de- like the hours of dedication to be able to get there? Is, is what I'm asking. Probably not. Probably not anymore. Maybe a couple years ago. Maybe last year. I would have that that fire. As is now, I feel like chasing it would just be a trap for me. I don't think I'm dedicated to the game enough to be able to pursue it. But at the same time. I know many people in Toronto who have fallen for the trap of doing well at a Magic tournament and then <laughs> dedicating the rest of their year to flying around the world playing these freaking tournaments just in a desperate bid to make the StarCityGames.com Players Championship. We're <laughs> 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 going to Richmond six times a year. <laughs> Dude, we're out, here. Really we're out here traveling, man. <laughs> yeah, that is the loop. And... Uh, I can I could see myself getting stuck in the loop if I randomly like probably qualify for whatever the first uh, PT is next year and do well at it. Man, my life's ruined. I think it's just gonna <laughs> it's be over. Dark. It's <laughs> over. As as someone who would call Fournier a close friend, I would be very upset if he <laughs> if he started playing Pro Tours again. <laughs> um, John, John, are you with us? Is there issues with your camera? Just your quick take. Well, All right, let's 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 hear some of your your take as someone that again I I keep mentioning it as sort of fresh to the competitive seed, sort of. Yeah, like like I, I'm I'm mostly uh, thinking that um, I'm I'm, so, I'm sorry if I'm repeating something. I'm mostly thinking that um, it's like not strictly better, but it's mostly better than the previous system that we had and. The one thing to stress really is the, um, the even the illusion of the goal, the illusion that you can make it. You know that alone will like um, uh, pay, pay off, uh, pay off in like ten, tenfold, or fold, a hundredfold in terms of you know just getting people excited and all that. The the only 
issue I have, and that's this is like the uh, common sentiment among um, everyone on Twitter. I think is like the intermediate uh, level um, guys, like the silver, um, gold guys that are kind of stuck and not like not uh, that are stuck in like the the nether region. I think, uh, as well as um, the people who have who did do very well in this one quote dead year. 2019, who, have, who broke out this year, but um, they're concerned that they don't have anything, they won't have anything to show for it. Um, my, my, to that I say, like, um, I, I think with an overhaul that, that was upcoming, like, it's hard to really satisfy all sides of the, uh, of, of the coin here. And generally, I am in, a fi- uh, in favor of just, like, having an overhaul and doing a clean thing, even if it does hurt some, uh, um, some subsections of the magic community. In general, like, I, I think the devil is in the details, certainly, but it's certainly nice to have, like, a well-defined, tangible uh, path to the rivals and to the MPL. And it's, it'll be nice to have, like, the MPL um, matches actually mean something, which is great, because otherwise, like, I really haven't had the, um, the reason to um, watch MPL matches other than, you know, if you want to watch a high-level uh, high high level standard play. But other than that, it's, like, nothing. It doesn't mean anything to me. So... Um, I'm happy that they they have the announcement. I'm also happy that their um, general their Magic Esports uh, Twitter account has been generally handling like inquiries very well. I think it's, it's Rachel Agnes, and uh, if that's her, then good for her for um, doing a good job uh, on Twitter today. Um, it it does hurt that it took this long, and it was it was supplemented by nothing but uh, silence, which I think just like <laughs> just will never change for Watsley, but it's something. Um, I hope the details are good, and I hope um. It makes most of the community whole. I'm, I'm, I know that it's like hard for uh, hard to make everyone happy, but that's my. F- yeah. I, okay, I think you you just cut out a bit, but uh, I think they I, they like hired Ben and, and Bear at the beginning, close to the beginning of, of the year, and they also tweeted out from that account that you know they're. I think they were sort of ap- apologetic about their their silence and that they would do better moving forward. And uh, but we've seen them before. But the fact that they've they've had new people uh, handle the the esports part, maybe that that will change. Um, jo- John, you're still with me, right? Or not? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, can you hear me? Okay, I can I can hear you. I think um, perfect. Both of us can relate to this. As both of us, we, we both try, strive at one point in our lives for that poker dream, for that poker career to make it big. But it was just like like here, and I think conversations with, with my, my friend Alex Hain, we, we, we have talked about what you mentioned, like just the goal, just like Chris Moneymaker winning and, and all these poker celebrities made me think I could make it, even though in reality I may have never been been able to come close to making it and the fact that this sort of rivals league does exist and may make people think that it might be unhealthy like we've mentioned with, with that and keith <laughs> but just the 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 possibility of of there's this tangible way to get there and stuff like that um just like for poker there's just like you can imagine yourself keep going up 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 um, and up in stakes and stuff like that uh will cause more people to play competitively and, and reach for the dream um uh sorry sorry one one thing here you make a you make a great point and as a as a more direct example on poker stars there were um player level um benefits that are well-defined uh, supernova supernova elite or anything below that that where if you could grind enough it's a very it's a very it's a very diff- well-defined uh threshold and if you could get there you could like really realistically make a living so 
um, just having a, as I said, having a clear path and having well-defined goals is a long way to doing that. And it really did foster the traffic on Pokestars. If, uh, if you right, right. And, and we don't know how close the majority of people who tried were, probably not at all, just like me and you. Um, and, you know, we don't know how healthy it is to, to pursue these things, like we said. <laughs> um, but uh, let's jump. We've got the face-to-face games we got two MCQs coming out. We got one on the 24th uh, in Montreal. We got another in September, I believe, in Toronto. Um, yeah, Keith, September 14th, I think. September 14th. Keith would just uh, finished 15th with Hogak. Let's, let's uh, pick your brain a bit. Is the Montreal one, no changes, no bans will happen, can happen. Before that happens, should people just be playing the stack? Go. Uh, yeah. I th- I, look, I've done a lot of... <laughs> thinking about this and because uh, I mean I had to play a couple events I, I helped Edgar prepare for the Pro Tour um, and I, I just think it's I think you can make a case for Mono Red Phoenix I think like some of these Death Shadow decks there's like a case to be made uh, a lot of people say Burn is is well positioned but I, I think if you if you don't do your due diligence and spend time testing Hogak uh I think that anybody who does that, you're just going to find out that it's the deck to play. I mean, even even these the open events, like the one in Moncton this weekend, there was two copies of Hogak in the top eight, and, you know, there was two two copies of Hogak in the top eight of the, the Toronto showdown this weekend. You know, these are events with players that, you know, aren't exactly the kind of players that are going to be moved off of their deck, right? You know, often often the open series events and, and the Toronto events are frankly uh you're, you're not going to push someone off of their deck of choice in modern uh to play one weekend of magic so seeing hogak do well at those events as well is just a, it's just another thing in the direction of the deck it just seems to dominate every event and uh it it you'd have to make a really compelling argument for me to not choose to play it particularly because and i think that you know at a higher level this is one of the most interesting points to me it, and Reed Duke said the same thing after the Pro Tour is that Hogak is a, is a combo deck and you know a deck that uh, is very synergy driven that you're able to sideboard in eight cards for it you know you can you can have four assassin trophies a nature's claim and three force figures in your deck post board and not dilute your your main game plan and I just think that's incredibly powerful in modern like the fact that so many of these leyline games it just doesn't even matter is uh, is just absurd whereas like if you play dredge from the past you'd, you'd bring in all these cards and sometimes your deck wouldn't work properly so that's kind of what my stance on it until they until they ban the actual card hogak I'm, I'm just not interested in playing anything else play four force of vigors in your hogak decks you fools that card's broken <laughs> yeah <laughs> kill not. one kill the other one dude every time i every time i had an opponent uh, at that face showdown last weekend play two pieces of graveyard hate i looked at my hand and thought I win. <laughs> Kill you. Wow, this is so stupid. <laughs> Kill right. both of them. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry that I'm doing this to you. Next Dude, sick. So dumb. Play this stupid deck until it gets banned. So you're, you're 100% playing that uh, with... with. Is there anything else specific to, to a list you would play, Dan, like in the 75 that, that is important, that is different from anyone else? I think the crab version is probably the best. This is not from testing, by the way, because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> this is from conjecture and the matches that I happen to have played. Um, 
the, I really like the crab version. I feel like it's the most explosive. It's able to beat all these permanent base graveyards. Uh, all, all these permanent base graveyard hate cards that are really the only way to functionally interact with the deck. Like if you sit there on like a a Tormod script or a, I don't know like a surge close traction or like that doesn't beat Hogak. Like maybe slows. Like oh cool I didn't get a Vengevine on turn two but I still got a Hogak and three Great Crawlers or something. It's like okay well. Like the, the game is still over if you're only doing these marginal graveyard hate cards. Mm-hmm. So then what you need to do in order to actually beat Hokak is to do a bunch of stuff like Rest in Peace, a bunch of stuff like Grafficker's Cage, a bunch of stuff like Leyline and Void. And all those are permanent-based things which then get in turn get beaten by Assassin's Trophy and uh, Force of Vigor. But then after you've dealt with those as Hogak, which you are going to inevitably do in most of your games due to the power level of Faithless Looting, letting you draw a bunch of cards out of your deck then you need to still effectuate your game plan fairly quickly. And because Force of Vigor is free, what Crab lets you do is hold a bunch of fetch lands, just like play them and not crack them or whatever. And then the moment you're able to actually get rid of the permanent-based graveyard hate, immediately just fill the crap out of your graveyard, go off and win immediately because your deck's broken. It's the most explosive and the most effective at actually beating graveyard hate. Sure, you can play cards like Gravecrawler, not Gravecrawler, um, the one mana zombie where it's like top three. Cryptbreaker. Cryptbreaker, thanks. You can play cards like Cryptbreaker and stuff and that are weaker but like interact better with graveyard hate. But like, what are you doing? That's like not actually gonna win you the game. Just just believe that the deck's busted, play to its yeah. power and, and deal with that. The other thing I would consider doing is playing with this little fella here. Uh Glowspore Shaman. I have a stamped one, that's why I want to play with it. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually worse than Crab on average, but what I do like about it is that it's green, and I'm very convinced that Force of Vigor is absolutely busted. What does suck about Force of Vigor is that a lot of the green cards in your deck are your best cards, so Hogak and Vengeline, and so then being able to populate your deck with a bunch of embarrassing 3-1s with very little text lets you pitch them away and still do your gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, I will say the green card count is like, that's a real thing. I, and this kind of speaks to the power level of the deck as a whole, is that when when you're really considering your green card count for your sideboard uh, naturalize effect, that's like the mark of a good deck, you know? Nobody in, in the past, you know, you've seen combo decks and you're like, oh, how do I juke the hate? Or, you know, uh, how do I figure out a way to uh, position myself differently after board in order to, you know, best deal with these cards that are so so much thwart my game plan but with this deck it's just so good that what you need to be doing is optimizing your deck to answer hate because you just literally never lose games uh when you have a normal draw and your opponent doesn't have rest in peace play so i mean i I just just skip all the cute stuff don't get cute and uh and just try to kill them um keith i might have i've got other guests lined up so this topic might not we might have to. I might have to bring you back on to talk about this, but we've talked about this in previous episodes about the whole cyborg guy thing. So we're just going to do a little quick bit before I, I let you guys go. But okay. uh, Eli Loveman, I think, uh, tweeted this, and, and that's what caused the whole discussion. If you're considering paying money for a modern deckless or cyborg guy, DM me instead, and I'll give you one free of charge. And I've always been. Um, in, in a position of where I want content creators, especially in Magic, that you know, do cyborg guys that 
take them a lot of time and I, I know the work behind them uh, Andy and John have done some for me and I, and Elliot Derek have worked on some for me before as well and and I, I love to see that and I think but I, I do want to clarify a, a bit of my stance on tweet where Elliot says oh, I was boring on a bad take and I think after thinking about it I felt he was right where I was saying how you know some some people might be charging too much or, or whatever but I also have to think about you know, there's there's multiple reasons why people might charge a certain price point, and I shouldn't be looking at that and, and judging in some way. Like Jer- Jerry Thompson, had, had, I talked to Jerry a lot, and he's mentioned like he would never write a book because he would have to charge too much for it because of the likely the effort that he would have to put. Maybe maybe it's not actually worth that much, but it is worth the amount of time he would have to put. So I don't know if if that's where you thought it was boring on a bad take, Elliot. Um. I think it was just like the way it was worded. I don't necessarily think you had like ill intentions or anything. It was just if someone came across it and read it a certain way. So I just wanted to like maybe get you to clarify how you felt. It was it was along the lines of like some people are not worth the three dollars or five dollars, or you should be seeking like people who are creating ten dollar content because that's premium content. When when really at the end of the day, you should pay whatever you should pay money to whoever's content you value. If that is someone who's spending 10 hours a week grinding and p- charging $5 for their sideboard guide, if you think that's worth it, go for it. If someone is instead spending 30 hours a week grinding but only wants $3 for their sideboard guide, then maybe that's what you consider enough value and, and you'd go with them. It, it, yeah. There's no like hard line of like, oh, they have to be charging $10 for their content to be worth it or grinding 40 hours a week for their content to be worth it. It's just, it's super personal and pay people if you think they deserve to be paid and if you don't then leave them alone <laughs> yeah go ahead Keith. yeah I, I think uh you know just i i obviously tweeted something that day when eli made that tweet and my my stance has always been that um you know p- content create we're, we're we kind of like live in this world where everybody to you know to borrow fornia's thing everybody is fully incentivized at all times to chase as much capital as humanly possible like you know everyone everyone is out there uh kind of incentivized to kind of get theirs that's just the world that we live in we live in the west uh and and we don't really have a choice in that matter so when eli tweets something like that i take no ill will towards him you know if he wants if he's as a pro player if he wants to make a sideboard guide and tweet it out to his friends that doesn't bother me what bothers me is the idea that somehow uh creating content and then asking uh for money in return for it is uh somehow inauthentic or uh somehow exploitive because the reality is is that's that's like the most honest exchange you could get right it's the same thing as like building something with your hands and then asking for money for it right and and i'm obviously this is obviously something i'm very close to because Every, literally every dollar I make is is from uh, is from creating content or editing content and then putting it out there and then somehow re- receiving compensation in return for it. So I just think the the idea that uh, somehow because we live in this niche community where information is so widely shared that for some reason it's inauthentic to then pay people for the their hard work. And especially people, especially the sentiment that it has to come from, you know, PT champions to be worth money. Because the fact is, is that content 
can come in all different shapes and forms, right? Sometimes people want to pay you because you have all the answers, but other times people might want to pay you just because, you know, you make them happy or the way that you write or the way that you communicate is somehow easier to digest or more engaging than other people. And uh, it's just not really up to anybody but the the consumer and the producer to to be part of that equation. So I just think that at the bottom line is you should just let people do what they want with their things because that's the world we live in. You got to figure out a way to pay the bills. And these people are trying to do it, doing something they love. So just don't take that away from them. You know, firmly agree with everything Keith said, but also on a macro scale, pay people for their work and don't get <laughs> mad at people for trying to like survive under capitalism. <laughs> Snuck it in there. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, what 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 can we look forward for, from you guys? Anything you guys want to plug? Starting with you, Dan. Uh, I think I'm going to plug the same thing that everyone else here should plug, which is. A lovely place. It's called face-to-facegames.com. Also, <laughs> if you go to magic.face-to-facegames.com, you'll find some awesome tier one content, including, oh, my writing. Oh, <laughs> writing. Oh, this podcast. Wow. Love that stuff. It's sick. <laughs> All right. What about you, Keith? Um, okay. So I'm in a lot of places. Uh, obviously, like Carr said, I, I help manage the content on pretty much all, uh, almost all of the written content on magic.facefacegames.com. So you can check out Dan's articles there. We have articles from, you know, guys like Ely Cassis and Pete Ingram that are putting up, you know, good results recently. So uh, we're going to keep sort of populating that. Um, I, th- I I also do some writing here and there on there, but, uh, uh, and you feel free to check that out as well. My day job, I work at a place called The Score Esports. We do kind of more general gaming stuff. Uh, and I've been doing like a lot of on-camera stuff for them. So if you're an esports fan or fan of gaming, Fortnite, Twitch, uh, there's a lot of stuff over there on YouTube. Uh, so that you can go check, go out. check out uh, the Score Esports videos, the Don't At Me series with Keith on them. Yeah, so good. And leave, and leave a comment on them saying how cute they are. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody on the comment section <laughs> says that I sound like Kermit the Frog, which I probably do. Uh, so yeah, get get in on there. Get in on the on the on the in the comment sections. Hit the hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hear Ring the, the bell. Three. Hashtag ad. Let's go. Here are the top three Keith comment section memes. One, Kermit the Frog voice. Two, sad eyes. Three, <laughs> dude, you're so cute. <laughs> That's it. Oh man, definitely, definitely. I understand why people think you look sad. All right. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much, guys. Love you guys, and uh, can't wait to get you guys back on at some point. And uh, thanks for having us. You guys are the thank best. You. you guys are the best, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. Ciao, guys. Right. Thanks a lot. All right, that was Keep Capstick. Daniel Fournier, super cool dudes from the Canadian community, and uh, man could have them on for for a lot longer just talking about um content so do we have is my man here oh here we go what up this is a man i've I've known for a while and i've credited uh even though he wasn't the one that directly inspired me to start man but he was there before me started the original in my opinion canadian content site quebec content site was it was only french but was it called into oblivion had featured People like Francis Cormier, featured people like Alex Hain, I think even uh, some, of, some of the more known people in the province. He's also uh, 
pretty famous as one of the most known Canadian players in the last I, I, five to ten, ten years, I would say. And he also known for drafting a foil Tarmogoyf over verse Lightning, Mr. P. Main, Pascal Maynard, in the First Strike Podcast. How's it going, P. Main? Great. What about you guys? We're what did I miss? Fantastic. We're just breaking down all the news today, all the OP changes, but uh, and, and talking about modern. But does does this stuff, does this part of magic still concern you as you've sort of shifted into, I would say, bigger things and bigger projects? Um, kind of. I mean, I'm still interested, and I read it, and I, it's actually super interesting that you asked me that because I tweeted that I was like, "Oh, this looks like good changes and everything." And then Calcano messaged me and he's like, why do you think those are good changes? Because they should be bad for like someone like you who's like completely fading out of the pro tour. <laughs> and like, I mean, I, I'm in the same position, he's in the same position as I am. Like we're kind of running out of invitations and you know, we have to, like, this is, this new system is what should concern us. And I don't really care because Either way, I was not going to grind. That's just not what I want to do anymore. So I guess that's like why I saw it. I, the, the way I saw it, I saw the new system was like, okay, after the transition and everything in like two years, I think that's going to be a good system. I think it's going to reward the right people. But I agree that for now, for someone who wanted to be in the MPL or the Rivalsy or whatever, like in the next six or 10 months, it's pretty bad just because it's going to be really hard to push out the people that got all the free points from the past nine months or whatever, because of like all the free invitations and people were already in the MPL. They have such a huge advantage that I agree with someone like Calcano who really wanted for the next six to nine months, like be in the MPL. It's going to be really hard for him. And I didn't see that part just because I don't really care anymore. I don't, it's not that I don't care. I just want to do other things, and grinding is not one of them. <laughs> we will talk about that really soon, about some of your other projects. I think it was BDM who tweeted this about, and Andy, Elliot, and John, if you follow him, tell me if I'm wrong. I think he, at one point he tweeted out, like, if there was a super grinder Hall of Fame, who would be in it? Um, <laughs> I think he had mentioned Calcano. Um, Definitely. And, and, <laughs> Andy, that challenge has to be there. Andy, do you think P. Main would, would be uh, part of uh, your your uh, grinder Hall of Fame, considering he had actually won? What was it? It was like the GP guy of the year or something, <laughs> whatever it was called. <laughs> well, I, I finished. If Alex is listening, it's going to be like, yes, dagger, because I actually beat Pascal in that race. He finished second. <laughs> yeah, he did, I, I did not win that car. <laughs> he finished second, which got oh. him exactly nothing. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, my bad. I just remember it being a, a super tight race between the two until the very end. It was. I, lo- I remember watching the coverage of, like, just, like, Alex and Pascal dunking on each other when they were top eight another GP or whatever and how many points they were ahead. So it's a grinder Hall of Fame. There's a lot of people. To, it depends how big it is, to be honest, on whether or not, like, I think Pascal would make it. I think Pascal's certainly on, like, the short list of people to consider. Cause I did grind, like... Magic forever. For like two or three years, when I play like a shit ton of GPs, <laughs> that like three year span, there is 
maybe one person in the world that played as much magic as I did for those like two or three years. But the like, I don't know if you compile, you know, the the past fifteen years, Calcano is definitely way ahead of me. To get in the Grinders Hall of Fame, do you have to not be in the regular Hall of Fame? Because <laughs> yeah. like, there's some people, there's some people who I like would consider Grinders, like the Martin Martin Yuza comes. Oh to yeah, Shuhei, Martin Yuza. Yeah, Shuhei. Those two are like the like the poster child of it to me but yeah. i guess they're already in the hall of fame so what more what more could they want i feel like bbd should be part of the discussion as well he definitely spent a long time grinding the gp circuit i think he was also up for he won the the gp player of the year one year didn't he he did yeah yeah that was the year he was, won world pascal's help did he not didn't you guys win a team yeah GP? we won we top four to gp in brazil to get him to win that. How how many of your GP top eights have been in Latin America? <laughs> uh, if we want to be technical, two, because because Costa Rica and Mexico are not Latin America, but <laughs> it's I think I think it's two in Costa Rica. If you want, if you mean outside of North America and Americas, I do. If you do mean that, it's two in Mexico. Uh, maybe three in Mexico actually, but two into uh, wait, damn, I'm old. I'm old. I don't remember. Uh, one in Costa Rica, at least two in Mexico, maybe three. One in Brazil, one in Argentina. I did, to me, that's the reason why you were such a grinder, Pascal. I was like, how could a Canadian, especially someone that lives in the same province, be me be in the running? Considering like how much cheaper it is for for an American to all, go to all the North American GPs, and then you're like also winning all these or top eighting or winning all these GPs outside of the country. I was like, come on, this guy, this guy's a savage grinder. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy time. And and um, what ended up happening? What was the conclusion of the the whole foil Tarmogoyf and burst lightning thing? Did you did you enjoy the? Uh, the sort of celebrity that came with it at the time. Yeah, that was definitely the biggest payoff of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you guys, I don't, if you're asking for what actually happened after I sold it for 2K in a silent auction. I took down the eBay. I took I took down the eBay auction because there's like a bunch of fake bids, and literally eBay told me. There's nothing we can do about fake fake bids. I didn't I didn't know much about eBay, but after like it blew up, someone from eBay contacted me. They're like, "Hey, I'm like, I'm a representative or whatever of eBay that we help out we help out the sellers when there's like a an auction that blows up." And so I asked him, "What do I do if people do like fake bids?" And he's like, "There's nothing you can do outside of just like message them and just ask them like if they're genuine and if they're gonna." You know, like you ask them politely, not too aggressive. Like basically, what's their intention, kind of. And then I did that, and the first, the guy that had the highest bid, which was like 20k, just straight up answered me, "I don't care. I'm not going to pay." And I'm like, "Okay, why did you bid?" And he's like, "Just because I can." Oh, okay. Okay. And so I asked the eBay guy, "Can you do something?" Like I literally have a proof that he's not going to pay. He's like, "No, there's nothing we can do." So I took down the auction and uh, I made a silent, like a, a silent Facebook, Twitter auction that people would just send me their their bids and I would sell it to the highest. All right. So after that, 
I think at some point, I mean, I, I thought you were a fixture, at least at the GP level. And to me, at the, I, I think you, you had tweeted or, or mentioned or messaged that you had a, at one point a bad streak at the PT level, but you were always a fixture, a, a personality that I would see often. And then at some point, either last year or two years ago, you sort of shifted to uh, different projects in the esports world. I don't know if you want to talk about some of the projects between that before we get into the Arena Super Cup. Yeah, so... I mean, I've, I've, I don't really have a good uh, proto win rate. It's gotten better in the past. Like, it's gotten better since I start stopped caring. There's that seems to be some kind of weird. Uh, like every time someone stops caring, they start doing well. I don't know. Maybe stress was too much was affecting my plays or whatever. But um, yeah, I've never really had a good PT win rate, and uh, so. But it doesn't matter. It's not the reason I stopped playing. I just was just really tired of traveling all the time. And I just, like, as I said, for three years, I went to like just 20 GPs a year and I, I wanted to stop that. So I, but I still wanted to play on the Pro Tour just because I didn't really do, I, I did t some top eights, like some lucky streaks, but I never really felt like I was a good pretty player. So I, th this I will never like stop, try to do well at a Pro Tour if I'm qualified for. But I just don't want to put the time anymore to like try to for like try to hit platinum, try to hit the MPL, try to hit the highest. I'm just, I just want to be qualified for the Pro Tour. But again, if I have to grind numerous PTQs to qualify, I'm not going to do that. So if I'm instantly qualified, I will play the Pro Tour. But yeah, I so I started doing that, and of course, when you stop playing all these weekend events that are not the pro tour you have a lot of time so i started doing other things and uh, i started with uh, fanny sports so that's like two years ago that we started two years and a half that we started everything we released last year um so i did that with a friend we just i just love fantasy and it's like one of my best friend he's ventured in a lot of um uh online online businesses i guess and he, he likes eSport, doesn't know that much, but I did. And I knew Magic. So we just started that. And it was kind of like a learning experience for me in many ways. I didn't really do much outside of playing Magic in my life and networking, talking with people. I never really went to school outside of high school. So I learned a lot in those two, in those year, in this year and a half, I guess. Um, recently, we had to pause, like just put everything on hold. Um, because we were using magic as like kind of like a ground test to like it would help us test our our uh, platform for other esports before we get into those and because like I'm known in magic it was easy to spread the word so we had a bunch of magic users which was we had way more than we thought we actually like made a bit of money when we thought we would just like lose a, a but it was part of the plan to lose money for that, just so we can test a platform. We were actually making a bit of money, so everything was going well. And then they scrapped the whole like, you know, when they made the change to esports, when Magic made the change to esports, they scrapped everything down, and that really hurt us because that mean that meant the GPs didn't mean anything anymore. There's no pros going there. There's no hype about. There's no coverage. So we we had like pools every week. For, for the GPs and that's like the one thing that made us grow big or at least have users active so we had something to offer every week but now killing a GP is meant we only had the PTs 
and that's just not enough for us to justify like you know keeping well we wouldn't we wouldn't have an active user base with just four tournaments a year anyway so we kind of like decided that we would put everything on hold for now just because we didn't have the money to go into the other esports like fully it's a lot of money these markets are way bigger than magic like league of legends dota counter-strike fortnite so we just we we had we could have like you know looked for funds and do it or put it on hold move to like you know my, my friend had a really good job that he could just put full full time on and i was starting arena super cup at the same time so i was like okay i'm just gonna you know we're just gonna put this everything on hold and it's not gonna hurt any of us right now and then you know we still have the platform everything is owned by us so if we want to do something else with it someday we can so our plan is that once magic gets their shit together and there's like <laughs> a, you know and there's like a path that's you know that works and a system that works and everyone knows then we might start it again all right but now that's that's what happened with fanny sports so for now on hold i mean that I, I didn't realize that and that that makes sense to me like some of these um the gambling sites like like DraftKings and FanDuel, they couldn't they couldn't rely on stuff like tennis where there's like a big tournaments every like they're the grand slams right and then they need they need NBA, MLB, NHL, hockey to to have all these user base to keep playing these these other sports until these tennis things happen and then they have MMA they have all that mixed in so it makes sense to me that with uh, GPs it's less interesting since the known like you said the known players don't go so I'm not rostering my roster of like six or how many players that I have to roster of people that I don't really know, like these Joe Blows of, uh, I barely, I'm just like randomly picking out of a hat, but I, I could see, definitely see like some of these mythic championships um, being exciting and knowing everyone on my team, but like you said, you need those other tournaments to keep that user very strong. So so let's ju- jump straight to the Arena Super Cup. Uh, what's what's the reason for, for you to start this, this project? So it was... It was kind of a way for me to edge out of Fanny Sports, kind of, because of like, you know, Arena killed the GPs, but Arena is another opportunity to do something similar with my knowledge that's taking advantage of Arena. And I, the, the idea came because I, I started playing, for those who knows, you know, what was Artifact. Uh, it's now dead, but it was a game that existed for about three months, and I played that game a lot. And I, I played a bunch. I was invited to a bunch of tournaments just because I was a known card game player, and I found that it was crazy that you could just play for thousands of dollars in front of your computer, like just casually, like a Saturday morning or you know a Wednesday night, and <laughs> someone just someone's listening to me and just wrote down artifact in my discord and i just saw that i'm just gonna close the the other computer sorry uh so so yeah i started playing artifact a bunch and these tournaments that i could just play for thousands of dollars and invitations to a bunch of tournaments just in front of my computer and for that artifact was really well built at when they launched they already had a tournament client like in 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 the client basically so a tournament, uh, you know, feature. So it was super easy to play a tournament, and I found that was crazy. So when Arena came out, I looked at a few ways to like run a tournament 
with a third party thing like smash.gg or uh, we used battlefy at the beginning and it was fairly easy and i was like like let's try it there's like almost no costs there's no not much logistics we only need someone to run the tournament at one person so i was like let's just try it and it worked really well it was kind of like at the same time that you know the pptq stopped existing so everyone in province just had no tournaments to play like for those that don't travel to the gps for example like they just like no they had no tournaments at all to play so it was a really good timing people had no tournaments to play anymore and we had this new platform people were hyped about so so yeah that's that's how it started and it was a really good timing where people want needed tournaments to play and it's kind of new for people to just to be able to play tournaments at home like meaningful tournaments that are not on magic online it take forever like we can have our, our weekly our uh, wednesday night tournaments they take like three hours and it's six rounds single elimination best of three and it just goes by super fast because obviously it's arena obviously i'm going to sound biased but uh, i was saying it during the tournament that it was like the best experience of I've, I've i've played because of the whole um i mean i i was just like reaching for my pockets for a deck sometimes because or or when leaving the venue i'm like did i did i bring my deck but the fact that you don't need it the the <laughs> pace of play how how quick it was for you to the, the rounds to go and the fact that you could feature one match one match like in the same round and have the second match just wait on the first match completely because of how fast the the arena matches play just just makes things way more fast paced things ended early and uh, I'm just curious uh, actually I'm just curious what the the main plan with the long term goal what do you see what are you envisioning uh, because I see you do more and more things you're doing uh, sort of video casts with future potential winners, potential competitors, or people who just won a qualifier on Twitch. I see you do more and more things. Uh, what, what, can, what more can we expect from, from you? Um, well, I, as I just, we, we just announced yesterday, uh, the first expand, this first expand that we're doing is uh, the Arena Spur Cup Open. So, so we wanted to like, first of all, take advantage of the six space that there is at Esports Central, which you're at right now. So behind you, there is 96 computers. And so it was like, at first it was really hard to find a place that had 24 computers, right? So it had to be like very specific gaming cafes and that's pretty much it. So when we heard about Esports Central that had 100 spots, you know, we wanted to do something else with the extra spots. The additional 24 players. And we also want to take advantage of the fact that um, the, the tournament is really fast. Like the Invitational last time finished at like, 3 or 4 p.m. and started at 10 a.m. Five rounds of Swiss plus top eight plus like we delayed some matches. You know we have coverage, so we you know we stop the players sometimes and stuff. So basically, it goes super fast. So we wanted to use that to have another tournament the same day. That way, like it's a little bit less of a feel bad if you go like 03 drop or whatever. And you had a bad day. Now you can just like join another tournament at 1 p.m. if you didn't top eight the invitational. So that was a way to like make the day last longer, take advantage of the more computers, and have the, uh, we, we actually have the, the last two invitational, we had people just like walk in to watch, see the players, and just spectate basically. And because Esports Central has like a bar and a restaurant, you know, we expect to have a bit more spectators. 
and we just you know we want to give them something to do so having a side event was the idea at first but then we're like we can just have the invitational most of the invitational players can also play in it so let's just have it like have a, a big prize so it's hundred it's a thousand dollars cash to first place and um and uh yeah i guess that's it i i, I probably missed something that i wanted to say but <laughs> did, did you have a question about it or um, what was the entry fee for that it's uh if you pre-register it's 40 bucks uh same day it's gonna be 50 so yeah pre-register <laughs> Actually, let's just let's just have you plug the event. So, what 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 date is it in? So, it's at Esports Central in Montreal here. Yeah, so it's on September twenty second. Um, so the invitational starts at nine a.m. It's an invite only tournament, which KYT is going to be defending his title. So that tournament goes on from like nine to two, uh, like three four p.m. But at one p.m. there's the open, which anyone can play. Um, and that's us, you know, if we have, there's 72 spots plus the invitational players. So it's, it's going to be above, like, hopefully above 64 players, which would be seven rounds, um, seven rounds plus top eight. So we expect it to last from like 1 p.m. to 7 or 8 p.m. And that's going to be like a regular paper tournament, but on computers. So you can't be cheated. You can't be rule rules lawyer. You can't. <laughs> I'm, you can't like get stalled or whatever you just like it's great <laughs> online magic is great for tournaments <laughs> let me tell you that <laughs> yeah I, I agree with that um and and there's still ways to qualify for that invitational uh correct yeah there's still we're we're at like 65 percent like we're at like 70 percent halfway uh through the and to the the season the qualifying season of the invitational so there's still a few qualifiers that you can if you get first place, you get an invitation to Invitational. And there's also points that you can get. But, you know, to be honest, we're at like, if we're at 70% of the qualifying season, getting to the top four of the points is going to be pretty hard to get an invitation. So, yeah, you, but you could still play and win first, you get first place and get an invitation. Uh, what was the website for, for or a, a URL for people to go for, for all that information? ArenaSuperCup.com. It's current, everything is in French currently. Just because we, you know, we were targeting Quebec, and it's also just like logistically easier to have one language, uh, and we have sponsors that are like local businesses, so it didn't really make sense for us to have that in English. But we are. You were asking me like, what I want to do going forward. We want to expand. Obviously, we're looking for ways to expand, but keep it logistically, you know, not too complicated. So, depending on how the open goes, and like how people are hyped about it and everything we have something big planned for the next season but we have to see how it does first how this thing goes okay sweet because i think i think um the way the the previous tournament was run like i said was really really great it's free and i think that's why people are excited to, to play these qualifiers i know people who have played in, in some of these qualifiers to try to get into the uh, invitational i mean i want a, a pretty sweet computer which i play league of legends and t fight tactics on uh a lot almost every night now with it and so it's a sweet tournament to win and i love the fact that pascal and eduardo uh, do commentary gives you um a genuine sense of pride despite like the show or on table for two where we troll about the <laughs> arena super cup thing um 
uh, of Omi being the champ, but the, the fact is, it just like that branding helps make the tournament feel a lot better uh, to win. And I think um, here, Esports Central, like still new, like they open maybe a few months ago, le- less than a few months ago, and. I do find the challenge for them to, to build some sort of a player base or to have meaningful tournaments uh, in, in cards, whether it's Shadowverse, Hearthstone, or, or Magic Arena, just because it's not like a fighting game where you can, and we've talked about this with me and Andy and John, I think on a, on a previous episode, where you could just sit down, pick a character, and you play. There's just a higher barrier of entry. You have to like at least own a deck. I mean, with Pascal, I actually paid money so that I could build that white weenie deck that I went with in time. And so there is that barrier entry. And I love how Pascal sort of made this invitational all free so that it was a lot easier to attract all these people. And then the whole tournament was was packed. And then you know, even Robert Anderson was there, a friend of the show, colleague of mine. And so I... I find that interesting to see how you can grow and get people to play, like, let's say, this this open uh, with $40 or $50 on-site entry, but you've built the brand in a way so that people that do have a deck know about this tournament and are more likely to come and play that one. Like, I'm, if I'm going to, with the invitation, I'm definitely trying to, to enter this, this open. Yeah, yeah. That that's like something we haven't done before, so that's why like it's an experiment. We'll we'll see how it goes. What we've been doing so far for free has been winning, has been working. But the problem is, you know, we've been sinking a lot of money. Like we've been doing this for you know in our free time. Well, for me, it's been like you know it's been not just my free time, and you know we're not making any money. So it's like I'm doing this. Mostly for the community because I think it's something that should exist, and I I really just hope that something bigger, like SCG or whatever, starts their own, just so that like I can play in it and you know I can enjoy it, and there's there will be more prize pools. But I, I do it what I have, and um, you know I I, try, I have to experiment a few things. You know we, we there's the 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 Arena Breakup Open has an entry fee because obviously. If we want to give a, a, a decent prize pool, like a thousand dollar cash, the first prize, you know, we need to get money somewhere. We have sponsors, but you know, sponsors, you know, we, we only have so much reach, especially since it was in French, that you know, we, we're not going to gain. We're, we're going to get millions from sponsors. So, so yeah, we're, we're going to try this one with an entry fee. If that works, that's really good for the future. That means we can do something bigger. Um, if it doesn't work, we'll just you know try different avenues to monetize and you know be able to not just sink a shit ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it's successful because I think it's it's enjoyable. I think anyone who enters are, is going to have a lot of fun on how smooth. And if they lose, they can just play other games here because again, everything's available here with a bunch of bunch of things to do. Uh, Pascal, yeah, that's kind of like what. I really want to turn this like this this that the invitational day into like a mini convention kind of and take advantage of esports control being so big and have like everything like there's everything there you need in a day basically you don't have to go outside really so I want to take advantage of that and like if there needs to be like an artist invited to the next one a booth with whatever it's being you know I just feel like there's so much potential at that at Esports Central 
that we and and if people like MTG Arena and you know can meet people like you like me like obnoxious Eduardo during that day, you know we could turn this into like you know it's a small entry fee to just get in to to participate for that day or the weekend, kind of like a Dream Act kind of stuff where you pay like a ticket to get in and then you can do all that these different things. Well, if we could do that with Arena and just anything Magic related, that kind of like would be my goal. But of course, that's bigger and we'll have to see if this first thing that we do works first. So. Sweet, sweet. Uh, Elliot or Andy uh, or John, you, ha you have any questions before we let P-Main go? How much clout do I have to have to get an invite without <laughs> playing any Magic? Without playing any Magic? <laughs> well... You're you're in Toronto, aren't you? Montreal. <laughs> you have no clout. He doesn't even know where you live. You have no oh, clout. I'm dead. <laughs> Do you? I always thought you were from Toronto. I moved to Montreal last year. <laughs> okay, so you're not from Montreal. Well, I'm there now. I was born here. I'll I'll, show, I'll bring my passport. I was born in Montreal. Oh, you moved back to Montreal last year, is what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, that changes things. I will take notes. His last his last name is is French, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. At first, like the first time I heard, I saw your name, I thought you were, um, you were from Montreal or or whatever from somewhere in Quebec. But then I saw you were hanging out with like people from Toronto, so I just assumed you were from Toronto. But are you are you uh, do you speak French a little bit? I'm I'm Franco as hell. I love French. No, okay, none, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Can, can you have an interview better than KYT when you want? We, we. Oh shit! Okay, you get some points. <laughs> okay, so that, that's what you need, Elliot. Apparently, you need to be you able to speak French. All right, I'm I'm firing up the Duolingo. I'm gonna play no more Moto, just Duolingo. Well, if 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 you if you play some qualifiers, you know that shows interest. That gives you more points, also. <laughs> All right, Pascal. Any last words before we let you go from you? Did you want to say? I don't think so. No. Oh well. They, they're, oh yes. I actually. There. The Arena Super Cup Open that I talked about. Currently, we have like a graphic, but that's in French. I believe tomorrow we will have one in English. So, and we'll also have all the details in English because you know we would like people from Toronto, whatever, in the Maine or New York, if they want to come down to the event, have the details. Sweet. Thanks for coming on, Pime. Finally got you on and uh, get you on again in the future, especially if I win the uh, Defend My Title. So uh, oh, yeah. I'll see you next time, Pascal. See ya. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Pime, my man. And now we're going to have Tangrams to finish up the show. But before he comes on, let's just jump straight into the modern talk. Elliot, what have you been grinding with? I see you chatting with John back and forth. What's the cabal situation? Let's, let's get an update. So... Earlier in the podcast, we had Keith and Daniel both advocating very heavily for Hogak. And I want to be very clear from the get-go, the only reason I'm not playing Hogak is because I can't get the cards. But my second order of business is a formal apology to the Cabal for, for offering to sell my membership card. The Cabal has tons of value, and I am now locked into... Allosaurus Rider for GP Vegas. <laughs> what the hell happened? Why? Why? So, I had an MCQ in Ottawa this past weekend, 
Um, leading up to it, I played a lot of the mono red prowess deck, which I thought was just like a more consistent version of the mono red phoenix deck. Uh, the phoenix deck had like the nut draws. Uh, phoenix was like a super splashy card, but with very little cantripping done in the deck, and the only way to like profitably put it in your bin in the early game being faithless looting, um, I thought that that aspect of the deck was just too inconsistent and that the best draws of the deck involved a one drop so having more copies of blister coil weird was actually really attractive for me um i ended up doing like middle middling in the mcq i, I went i dropped it four and three before the last round um also eldrazi tron which is like a nightmare matchup um grixis urza where i just missed some land drops and it was kind of awkward i think that match was okay though and then i lost tron which is a good matchup which sucked uh and then i was like super ecstatic that like i thought the deck was still busted and then every league i played against i played afterwards was like collector brutality uh Kemball, and everyone's like super prepared for this deck now because it ended up populating the grand prix um so i figured i had to had to move on and I couldn't in good faith continue to shit on John for his Neoform deck without playing it a league. <laughs> and then the very first game that I played, I mulliganed to six, was ready to pack it in, but had a turn one kill. Uh, and I ended up in, in the one league that I played, turn one killing three times, and I, I just can't turn it down. All the stats point towards uh, this being the ultimate Vegas deck, because my two options are either spike the GP with my sick Neobrand deck or I get extremely unlucky and then when we go to the casino I've I've saved it all up <laughs> so this is really just the optimal deck for the weekend um, unless you're trying to like legitimately win matches of magic in which case you should still be playing out uh, Elliot um, did you talk to Robert Anderson at all? he had told me he was playing John's deck and after the tournament he felt like it was not good anymore and he's considering playing something else heading to the MCQ I don't know if you've had a conversation with him uh, so I talked to him a bunch at the MCQ uh, we played a lot of love letter in between rounds um, <laughs> and basically two things happened during those love letter games the first one being I sniped him with a 7 in his hand every single time and the second thing was he moaned about how he was getting crushed and unlucky. Uh, so I, I definitely understand why he's not on the deck, because it is... You have to believe. You have to have absolute faith in yourself to get lucky, which is why when I told him I was going to play it, he reminded me that Force of Negation is a card. <laughs> and also, he, uh, he asked me if I was going to roll the dice the way God intended, which I am. Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, it's it's good. To, so, so, should people playing, like if I'm playing on the 24th here in Montreal, you think I should play Neobren? No, I think you should play Hogak. Okay. <laughs> but if you can't play Hogak, and like All right, maybe I you have, if you have like something maybe going on at like 2 o'clock or something, that you you know, like, maybe there's a family barbecue, you're on, you you can't commit to it because you want to play the MCQ, then Neobren's like the perfect deck for you. You'll be at that barbecue no problem, and you won't feel bad about it. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just realized I completely forgot because you can't get the Hogak cards. Um, that being said, if you're in Montreal and I can get the Hogak cards from you before Vegas, <laughs> hit me up. All right, Elliot's Ellie, looking for some Hogak cards. I, I, I'm sure some listeners might be from Montreal and ha or have them available. Um, 
We got Tangrams joining us on the show. Welcome back, Mr. Tangrams. You were in... Man, you're on, on this MCQ Top 8 run. You Top 8'ed the MCQ that Andy won. Uh, you didn't You didn't manage to face him in the finals. You lost before that uh, to his finalists. And now you, you put up another record. And now everyone's you know, looking at your deck list with some intrigue on, on MTG Goldfish. It's called Mono Dice Tron. And it's got some core tappers in it. So, is this deck for real, David? And should I consider playing this list at my MCQ in, in less than two weeks? Is this deck for real? I think it's for real. Should you play it in two weeks? No, you should play Hogak. <laughs> uh, Damn it! <laughs> no, but this deck is is for real. It's a blast to play. It's very hard to play. I've had multiple people like come up to me and be like man i tried your deck and i went oh four drop in my first league with it um that seems to be a pretty common story so i will do my best to to sort of explain how the deck works and um you know help help people out on their their maiden voyages with the deck because it's um it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> um well, why did you decide to play this why didn't you play hogak I didn't have the cards for Hogak. Okay, common theme here on the show tonight. But um, no, it was just kind of like leading up to this MCQ. It was like, man, I should obviously play Hogak, but um, don't have the cards. So I really just wanted to play something fun, you know, something kind of I would enjoy playing and would lead to to interesting matches. And about let's see, the Tuesday before. The MCQ, so like four days before the tournament, I see the the Modern Super League on the the Magic Twitch channel, and they have Sam Party there playing this like wacko deck with Core Tapper and Mystic Forge, all these like wild cards that never see me play in Modern. And I'm like, man, this is right up my alley. So, and I was in the point where I had lost with so many decks to Hogak on Magic Online. I was like, I'm willing to try anything. So. Pulled this deck up right away and just um, crushed it in my first league with it. And I was like, wait, that wasn't supposed to happen. This deck looks horrible. <laughs> but um, but I just kept winning it with it over the next couple of days. And it was really like kind of the more I won with it, the more it, it made sense. You know, it's got these Chalice of the Voids, which is really good right now. It's got these Snaring Bridges, which are really good against Hogak. Um, and... It just has this like unbeatable late game. You just have this this car in the great creator. You have Mycosynth Lattice. You're just gonna gonna lock people out. And if they can't, you know, handle your bridge or your chalice in like a turn or two, they're just gonna lose the game on the spot. So I was I was kind of deceptively surprised with how powerful the deck was after first picking it up. Uh, did you face a lot of Hogak in the MCQ? Like, what do you think of the matchup overall? I think the Hogak matchup is is fine. I'm not going to say it's a good matchup because I don't think anything has a good Hogat matchup, and if someone tells you they do, they're lying. Um, but as far as... <laughs> At Jonathan. Go for him has a good Hogak matchup. I will give you that, Budge. <laughs> but uh, as far as real decks go, this is about as good as you're going to get. <laughs> John, your audio sucks tonight. Um... What do you have to say to that? If we can get... It's rude. I was trying to convince okay. David to join 
in the uh, Neoform cult, but unfortunately he was too smart for that. But um, yeah, I mean, scoreboard. Cool. So I can't. Yeah. Well, the, the deck's cool, and he he did top eight. So, so um, I, I recognize the scoreboard, and I yield to him for this week. Um. So David, yeah. you, you got any? Uh, Jonathan's not at his cam right now because he's searching for any top finish by Neoform. <laughs> Hey, if I can remind you, in the first week when oh. legal, to talk, they had two top eight MTGO MCQ finishes, including a loss in the finals. So it's real. It's good. Good players play it. So just say. Yeah, Andy, if you just go back three months, you can find an, a, a result from Geo 4. Merfolk won a GP, you know? Scred won a GP. This is Tropical Merfolk's time to shine. Tropical, tropical Merfolk crushes Hogak. <laughs> I, I, I do wonder what Nikachu is recommending right now. That, that I am actually curious um, because I definitely played Tropical Merfolk when he was hyping it. <laughs> it just—it sounded good. It sounded good, Elliot. Um, Waterlogged Grove? Are, are you kidding me? People are sleeping on this. David, uh, you had mentioned like the, the strength of your deck. How you have like early stuff like Chaos being good, and then you have this this late game. Um, how, how like does the deck nor- normally play out? Yes, yeah, so you have to you have to mulligan very aggressively because you have a lot of just horrible cards in your deck. You'll get a lot of hands that are like like three blast zones, expedition map, core tapper, and two mystic forges, and that hand does nothing. So first of all. You have to mulligan extremely aggressively because you have all these like two card combinations. You have like um, like Tron lands and Expedition Map. You have Core Tapper and like Everflowing Chalice or Astral Cornucopia. So you have all these sort of like two card combo mana engines, and you're looking to assemble one of those in your opening hand. And the London Mulligan was a huge upgrade for this deck. I I can't imagine playing this deck before the London Mulligan because you. You pretty much mulligan to five every single game. You're just like your your good hands are great and your bad hands are horrible. So you put together a hand that makes a ton of mana, and then you sort of lock people out with Chalice the Void or Ensnaring Bridge. And it doesn't have to be a hard lock, you just have to slow them down enough that you get you use your sort of excess mana you've generated to get a Mystic Forge or a Karn the Great Creator in play. And hopefully they're slowed down enough that by like turn four or five you can get the the Mycosynthlatus hard lock. So you, you kind of slow them down, make a bunch of mana, and lock them out. And that's that's sort of a it's actually surprisingly consistent at doing that because you have so many um, mana production elements and so many um, like ways to dig for your Karn. You can either have it or you have this Mystic Forge with just a like, your deck is entirely zero drops, pretty much. So once you have a Mystic Forge in play, you're just, like, flipping cards off the top of your deck like a madman until you find a card and win the game. So it's, it's very consistent at doing that. Hmm. I'm checking I'm checking MTG Goldfish, and it looks like, on paper, according to this site, it's more expensive, the deck, more expensive than Hogak, at least the stock version they have here. Um, it's going to be a challenge for me to put this together, too. John, I would, it's, this deck's really hard to play. I would not like, <laughs> pick it up and like try to spike a PTQ with it. Um, you should play Hogak, especially for a player of KYT's caliber. Whoa! No, KYT is the the defending arenas. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, 
Yeah, but not after I learn French. I'm coming for him. I don't know how to say that in French yet. But, uh, but it's happening. John, give me your breakdown of uh, what you think people should be playing um, in, in the upcoming Montreal one with no changes. Are you happy with uh, Elliot being back on, on Neil Brand, like rescinding some of his comments against the Cabal? Uh, let me know. Like, do I even need to explain? Like, I, I've I've been tweeting a lot of them at the free uh, free content about Neoform. I've explained why I think it's well positioned. I even gave a free hashtag sideboard guide on Twitter, and I'm going to have a part two of my very comprehensive guide coming this week. I I would not play the deck even if it's a meme unless I think it's good. And you know what? Every time I, I see on Twitter, oh, it's like oh, people who people who says that they have a, a decent Hogak matchup, they're lying. LOL. It's like okay, well, I want to interject. I'm like 85% against Hogak, but no, it's like no, it's okay. I, I I'll let you have it this time. But honestly, it's very good against the top decks of the format. I, I'm like 70% plus against John Hogak, Monarch Phoenix, Baron Tron. It's bad matchups like Blue White is like being crowded out by everything. That deck's not playable right now, and in a format where people are trying to like speed up and beat Hogak or have ton of graveyard hate that's irrelevant against you, you just go off angle. You go off angle. You, no one's prepared for you. It's powerful enough that it, it kills on turn one and turn two a third of the times. And yeah, like I really think this is the right choice. And you know, like my article and my tweets like all back that up. So I would happily play Neoform this weekend. And next weekend I'll be playing it at GP Vegas. I, oh my god! I didn't know that, John. You're gonna see Elliot. This is this is so good, <laughs> and I love yeah, this fired up, John. I love when you're this fired up, John. This is so good. I mean, it's like look, look at my tweets. Look at my results. Um, no, look. My my issue that I have is the people. Every time I suggest the um, the um, deck in good faith, the immediate response I get is LOL. Don't you just die to yourself like hundred percent of the times? Well. Sir, on the internet, you've played the deck zero times. I have played it over 500 matches before and after Vancouver and uh, Vancouver Mulligan. And a very good player, gr- online grinder Matsugan, has been playing it since inception has, and has two top eights in the MCQ. And you're telling me, you're telling us how the deck like, works? I mean, come on. It's like People like to make assumptions about these all-in decks, but if I think it's good, I think I'm going to say it's good. My God, this is my one of my favorite versions of John. I, I'm not, I think even Andy's shook. Can you imagine playing 500 matches with a, with a deck like that? <laughs> like you're allowed to just play any deck and like put the time in to learn any deck. Your deck's fun. I'll give it that. It's like a nice ride, but like you can't sustain that. You can't live that life forever. You'll you won't make it. I love it, I love it. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. I can quote all of... Um, <laughs> fuck, I can't even remember the name of the movie franchise. Uh, whatever that movie that I just quoted is. <laughs> Fast and the Furious. I know all of them by heart. Uh, David, do you, do you think in... So you played this, this was at the Mox Boarding House? So this was a live tournament? That's right. Yeah, I was playing. John was there too, actually playing playing Uform. Um, yeah. is there like, do you think in live there's less 
Hogak now, especially with the impending ban, also like players like you and Elliot aren't able to, to find the cards, and, and that has to be the situation for a lot of players. And um, how did you get the sense? Did you get a sense of the room of how much Hogak there was in, in the room? Yeah, there's there's a fair amount of Hogak, but what you're what you're saying absolutely rings true, and I suspect will ring true at GP Vegas as well next week. Um, no one no one has the cards for this deck, and no one wants to buy cards. I'm happy to go out and buy cards if I think I'm going to be able to use them in six months for a year, but it's just so obvious that this deck's getting banned in two weeks that. Like, why would I go out and buy the, the Venge Vines and the Grave Crawlers when there's, there's like, no other deck in the format that uses them? Um, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat. There were, there were definitely people playing Hogak at Mox Boarding House. It was probably, like, I don't know, 10, 15% of the field. But if you play in one of these online tournaments where it's sort of not as big of a deal, you, you pick up cards, you sell them the next day, uh, there's more... Uh, liquidity there, like Hogak is like 40% of the field, it's everywhere so I definitely think the card availability is keeping Hogak down and is sort of but still at the same time it was what, 5 copies of the top 8 in Minneapolis, so even with that, it's it's still you know doing very well, but I think it would be I think we're, we're sort of not even seeing the final form here, it would be even more prevalent and dominant if not for the card issue John, John, if you had your way, you would want to to face Hogag. Am I am I correct in that? Like you actually want to see that match? At the MCQ, if they give me nine rounds of Hogak, I will happily take nine rounds of Hogak. Bring it on, please. Man, so I, you you want more people to be able to build this deck in Vegas, or uh... I, I I'm at eighty five percent win rate in like 30, 40 matches, and I don't think it's an accident. Their deck is not built to beat beat my deck. So I'm happily, I'm very happy if people are, enough people are not thinking, I'm just like, I literally face Hogak every round. Please. Just show up, show up to Vegas, you got a stack of grave crawlers in one hand, stack of venge vines in the other hand, and just, just start letting the cards fly. Just, you have a grave crawler. Have, have have a grave crawler. Everyone has a grave crawler. You gotta, <laughs> Andy, Andy. How do you get into the Hogak bracket, bro? How are you doing it, dog? <laughs> No, no one's playing Force of Negation these days. In this economy, Dovin's Veto? Like, who plays that? So so the thing that confuses me, perplexes me the most, is you're telling me how well-positioned your deck is, and you didn't win the BTQ. You're telling me, 85% win rate. No good deck can possibly defeat my the monster <laughs> I've created with my 5,000 matches in the dojo. Day in, day out, sweating beads of sweat. My, my sleeves are covered in beads of sweat. <laughs> and still, you didn't do it. Yeah. Here's a funny story. So the Seattle uh, PTQ was won by one Daniel Duterte, who is a good grinder in the Northwest. He won GP Seattle. He won it with humans. He said that he played against Hogak six times. He won 6-0. Me, I played against Hogak zero times. And two of my losses were uh, against when I had the turn, turn to kill, and they had their one of Grafdigger's cage. And my other loss was... On a, uh, against a friend on a Neoform mirror. So, I don't have much to say about <laughs> Yeah, and fuck you, Andy. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that was too good. Um, oh, oh just, just one more thing in that, that Neoform mirror. I had the turn one kill in game three, and he turned one me. So, that, that was my luck that day. 
I'm loving I'm I'm loving the support in the chat. Obviously, love P. Sams, who says there's nothing I want more than John Tape with Neo Form. The internet would be so mad, and uh, just uh, hearing John be so passionate, um, man. I mean, SCG Vegas has been good to you, SCG Vegas champ. See you being the GP champ as well, uh, David. Well, what's next for you? And and we'll wrap up. Yeah, I have. Um Couple, couple online events. Got some course at twenty twenty PTQs. I'm a four, four MCQ top eights this season. Trying to, trying to make it a fifth one. Hopefully, we'll, we'll make it to the finals this time. That hasn't happened yet. Um, probably, probably gonna lose there, but you know, at least there'll be progress. So I'll be doing that. And the, the mocks is still going on. I'm kind of, kind of getting crushed in that. I know last time we talked, it was looking real good for me to make the the sort of finals for that is no longer looking good but they just announced the new um the new players club so or the new players tours excuse me so we got more more stuff to chase there um always on the grind sweet sweet we got john, john elliott i mean i don't know i haven't this ha- this has been a while since uh I mean, I'm always impressed by John, but tonight, tonight was another level, John. You you brought it to another level, and uh, that that's awesome. Um, I'm just glad his camera's off, so you can't see him foaming at the mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it helps. I think I think we we might need you to, to, to be camera off for for the rest of the of the year or something. Um, uh, Andy, Elliot, anything uh, else you guys want to add? I'm not allowed to play PTQs. All right, all right, sounds good. <laughs> Um, support the show by just liking, subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. There's a bunch of free podcast apps out there. Uh, the main one that I upload to right now is Anchor because it's free to host. So if you want to start your own podcast, that's one of the hosts that I would go for just because they've been free uh, since they've started. And uh, that's important for people just starting like their own little small show. Um, and support the show, patreon.com slash strike And... You know, just just like I said, like for table for two, tweet at people that think you, know, you think might like the show would benefit from all this modern content and all the content we did on the OP to hear um, fired up John and also Commander Cookout is another show that we sponsor at FaceToFaceGames.com and uh, the people in shipping are, are saying what's going on because they get comments of people going like, we 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 came here from Commander Cookout and why isn't there nothing from First Strike or Table for Two, but Commander Cookout actually tells their listeners to put that in the comments. So if you make an order at face-to-facegames.com this week, next week, in a month, in a year, tell them you listen to First Strike. Tell them you listen to Table for Two. Tell them you support John's Neoform deck. Tell them you support Elliot being at the Arena Super Cup. Anything would help. So, And with that, I will talk to you guys. See you everyone later. Bye, peace, Sam's. Love you. And we'll end the show. As Alex Hayne is uh, at Esports Central trolling in the back. (laughs) Bye, everyone.